Welcome to this week's edition of Law of Liberty podcast. Uh, it's me, Stratty, my first time doing the opener. Uh, with my co-host, Dave. Uh, glad to be here today with my good friend, Mr. Flynn, Mr. Joshua Flynn. He is running for state rep in Illinois for District 78. Mr. Flynn, why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners? Tell, tell them a little about yourself. Sure. Well, as you know, my name is Joshua Flynn. I'm from Illinois. I'm actually from the uh, west side of Chicago. I was born and raised here. Um, went to school here on the west side as well. Um, mother and father. My father was a minister. Uh, my mom was a business owner, uh, as well as and she was built into real estate as well. She worked as, as well. Um, later years, she went into uh, working for the uh, bus industry here in Chicago. Um, pretty much my work itself is I've been in the insurance field uh, over 10 years. I've actually have my own transportation company here, logistics, a trucking company. I started that when I was in my mid twenties. Um, also, I worked as, worked a lot in the community with uh, non-for-profits. Um, three of the non-for-profits that I worked closely with was Northwest Austin Council, uh, as well as GTW, Get to Work Illinois, and uh, Mothers on a Mission 28. So at Northwest Austin Council there, I do block club organizing, a little bit of facilitating of uh, programs that we have, uh, some programs we have with the youth, as far as uh, economics and uh, business ownership is uh, one of the growth programs we have with that organization, as well as with GTW. There, I also do some facilitating and I help people get jobs, uh, mostly formerly incarcerated, people that's uh, re-entering uh, back into um, status here um, in Chicago, mostly in the Chicago area, but we work with anybody that wants a job or looking for some kind of help. And in that organization, we also offer transportation, we offer the training, and right now we're looking for, we're opening up to get more jobs because we're going out a little further um, as far as the distance. But my biggest goal is to get more jobs here within Chicago. And then Mothers on the Mission 28, I work with her, another facilitating position I have with her, as well as I help with her finding locations to uh, offer uh, trauma support. So she's a former nurse. She lost her son a few years ago. And he's, a, he's around my age, I'm 33. And pretty much what we do there is we help families uh, get through the trauma of uh, losing someone either to violent crimes or sickness to health. And that's basically, you know, my biggest three non-for-profits I work with. And, and that's the work I've been doing outside of my uh, insurance and transportation. Um, but ever since January, I've been full-time with the campaign, uh, working here in Austin, Old Park, Enwood Park, River, and Franklin Park. As of recently, uh, been at the polls. Um, mostly about three to three to four times a week, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Sundays uh, between the, the five different polling locations uh, to meet more voters, uh, reach out and uh, give votes while I'm there. Yes. So that's what, that's pretty much me in a nutshell and my campaign a little bit as well. Fantastic. That's, that sounds like some really, really great stuff. I especially liked uh, you talking about helping out uh, former incarcerated people to get back up on their feet. I think that's a really noble cause, especially especially nonviolent people, you know, people with simple drug possessions or other things like that. I mean, they definitely need some help to get back on their feet because a record can hold people back. Um, I, I just want to ask you before we get more into, uh, in, into some policy issues. Um, you talked about how you're talked about how you're from Chicago. Um, and obviously Chicago is a city that has a lot of problems, but it's also a city with a great history, a great culture, um, music, food, other things like that. Um, so I just wanted to ask you, um, what does it mean to you to to be a Chicagoan? 
Um, what makes you what makes you most proud to be um, from Chicago? Oh man, it's the people, the people itself. Uh, different generations are different uh, backgrounds, different. Uh, oh man, there's just so much spread when it comes to the food. It comes to the, uh, the different internationalism that's is here, that's offered here in Chicago. Um, the sports backgrounds here. Um, I grew up in the West Side, but in my my high school years, I went to uh, school on the South Side, and you know people talk about how much they were different, but we, we're pretty much the same. And you know we work together. You know in those communities, they do the same thing out in the South Side. We do in the West Side, and that's the enjoyment that I do have for being a Chicagoan. Um, I'm a Cubs fan, so I'm a, I'm a Northwest Sider. So you know we have problems with people in the South Side because they you know <laughs> the Sox fans and. If you go too far downstate, you hear about the Cardinals, and I'm like, "Hi, you're a Cardinals fan? You're from Illinois? You could pick between these two, but you know, um, outside of that, you know, I, I enjoy our people here. You know, there's just so much cultural here. You know, in the city, um, between the west, like I said, between the west side, south side, and the north side of Chicago, and the southwest side, it's it's different but same at the same time. You know, and oh man, it's just, it's the people. The people is what makes Chicago uh, what it is. You know, it's the people." It's, Absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, I'm I, myself. I'm from the Midwest, so um, I've I've been to Chicago a handful of times, and I've never been to Chicago and had a bad time. Every time I've ever gone, it's just great. You know, go out to a go out to a blues bar like Kingston Mines or someplace like that, and it's just so much fun. And so I, I definitely love it there, and it's uh, it really is a great city with a lot of wonderful wonderful people and wonderful things to do. Um, and yeah, we were going to ask you um, whether or not you pulled for the for the Cubs or the White Sox. So I'm happy to, I'm happy to hear that you're a Cubs fan because I'm a, I'm a Tigers fan. So you know, there's a little rivalry there between the between the AL AL Central guys there. So yeah, go Cubs. Actually, my first game I went to was a White Sox uh, Tigers game actually. Oh okay. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, that was my first game I went to as a kid. Yeah. What what year would that have been? <sighs> I think I was maybe about seven or eight years old. So would Bo yeah. Jackson would have been on the White Sox at that time? Man, come back now. You know what's crazy too? Bo Jackson's sister was uh, my gym teacher. What? Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, That's really yeah. cool. My uh, junior year, yeah, she was my gym teacher. That's, That's really a, cool. That's awesome. So, uh, Josh, I gotta ask you because me and you came to know each other through uh, libertarianism just like me and dave came to know each other also through libertarianism uh through past conversation though i mean you know me and you both we weren't always libertarians so i gotta ask you know how did you come to libertarianism and what does it mean to you to be a libertarian um let me ask the, the second question first uh being free uh choosing what i want to do uh what i like about it is See, when you're a Democrat or you're a Republican, you have to, you got to toe party lines. As libertarian, you know, this, yeah, we want you to be more libertarianism, but if you have more views to the right or to the left, that's up to you to choose that. And I like that freedom. Because uh, sometimes it depends on, you know, like me running for office, it depends on what's best natured for my constituents at that time. And that's how I believe. Um, what was that first question again? <laughs> uh, how did you come to libertarianism? Research. Uh, research. Um, basically, I was looking for something different and uh, messed around. Just kept kept googling, kept looking at different parties. Uh, looked at the Constitutional Party. Looked at I looked more deep into the Republican Party, and I kept falling back into the lines of uh, libertarianism. Um, so when they had an event close to my house, it was at a like a bar and grill, and I went out and they treated me as if I was one of them. 
pretty much. Uh, Justin and Adam, you know, they've been close to me on the campaign as well. Um, they treat me like I was one of their brothers. So that's what kept me closer, closer and closer to my chapter here in Chicago and Cook County chapter. And I wanted to further learn more. So that's, I ended up uh, actually ended up running for a uh, state central, state central committeeman in the seventh congressional district and got, uh, I got voted in. So, uh, went even further. Now I'm, I'm, uh, at large for Cook County now. So, and now I'm running for state representative as a libertarian. So yeah, I just, just kept following up and kept following through basically my chapter presidents. I talk to them almost every day. So that's how close they are to me. Cell phone call away or either events. We just, we interact a lot. So that I mean, that's what kept me close and that's why I'm here still. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that touched that, that touches on a lot of things that we talk about on the show because uh, I'm a law student, so we talk about law. We're very interested in, in contracts and other kind of things like that. And what you said about, you know, with libertarianism, you, you can be a little bit more to the left, a little bit more to the right. But as long as you respect, you know, a basic freedom of contract, freedom of association, you know, that you can you can do these different kind of things. And I think that's a really great message um, that can bring a lot of people together who might be really, really different in their personal lives, but they can respect each other's rights and come together to some kind of common cause. So I think that's a, a really, a really strong uh, selling point for the Libertarian Party, and I'm glad to see that uh, you're putting that out in the in the forefront. Um, yeah. I wanted to ask you. Uh, I was looking on your on your uh, Ballotpedia page, and uh, one of the questions that you answered there is: Is there a book? that you would reckon, recommend to somebody who wants to understand your political philosophy, and you answered um, Basic Economics by Thomas Sowell. Um, yes. so, so I would just want to ask you if you could maybe talk a little bit more about Sowell, his influence on you, um, and uh, wh what do you think is are really his uh, best contributions to uh, economics, philosophy, and libertarianism? Um, well, well, actually, he went to school here in Chicago. He went to the Chicago school here. So that was another connection, trying to figure out more about some of soul. Um, actually, four of his books, my wife won in a raffle last year at the uh, state party's uh, convention. And his biggest thing was, you know, because my kids, one of my daughter, she goes to uh, charter schools. And his biggest thing was on charter schools. That's what actually influenced me because I'm really more into the education thing for kids. That's what my, pretty much my platform. Yeah, it's about business, around business and economics, but it starts with the growth of education. And with charter schools, uh, charter schools was the thing that drove me to uh, Thomas Sowell. So giving, because right now the public school systems, we talk about that. We talk about how it truly has failed our kids and our kids are needing of another option. The other options are, you know, either going to paying, you know, very expensive rates at private schools where our kids in our communities, like where I come from, they can't, their parents can't afford it. So we need other options. And charter schools was that, you know, that, that charter, that public charter option for our kids where they won't have to pay for anything to go to school there. They get a great education. It's a smaller classroom size, more focused on the kids. And that's what that's pretty much what's needed, uh, especially in the like, communities like the west side of Chicago, south side of Chicago. I know a lot of people are focused or are upset about, you know, charter schools at times, but it works. Um, I'll give you an example. My daughter actually came from private school. She was actually at a, a Lutheran school in the community. And the interaction wasn't wasn't great for her. So once well, it was a one summer before her fifth grade year started, we met one of the um, administrators there, and she you know she was very interactive with my daughter. My daughter it was actually after one conversation with her and my daughter, they had it was just oh, she was just finessing like, Dad, I want to go there, I want to go there. 
I said, well, hold on, we got to sit down. We got to talk with the administration. We got to see the teachers and staff. But I seen how their development was of how they broke down the classroom size, how they broke down the system of teaching there and learning. And the kids are actually learning there. And now, ever since my daughter's been there, she's been on the honor roll ever since. Um, she's very interactive right now. They do they do homeschooling right now because of it. But that's the option a lot of the public schools I wasn't ready for. And um, me being uh, pro, uh, pro, pro schools and pro uh, open markets, I think adding, the, adding that option to communities was huge. Um, even with the private school system, we do have programs here that pays for the education uh, for, for parents that, you know, they, can, they cannot afford to send their kids to their schools. So that's another option that I know that someone so well would, would, would agree with, you know, he talked about. Um, a lot of his, uh, a lot of videos I watched of him as well. And that's been my sole thing, just trying to get a better education system. Uh, it's not just here, but around the state where kids are lacking. And I'm hoping that not just here picks up and start doing those things, but across the country and in, uh, inner cities and communities that, you know, that lack, um, a, lack a system for their children to have better learning. One, one of the things that has always impressed me about uh, Thomas Sowell is just his ability to just always keep on working. He's always writing. He's, he's written so many books and he just, it's almost like he can't even help himself. And I think his most recent book was about charter schools. Um, yes. and, and one of the best examples um, that that he gave um, in one of his uh, interviews uh, at the Hoover Institute, uh, he talked about how there was a charter school that basically leased out space in a public school building and the, they basically were run administratively different, but they were in the same building. And it was kids from the same neighborhoods, same communities, and the charter school did kids did so much better just because the, just because the educational system was uh, was just better. And even though they were the same kids, same resources, same place, it, they just did better. And that's just an amazing. That shows what what choice can do and what competition in schooling and, and other things can do. And like you said, giving people another choice, it, it creates a better incentive to create a better product for those kids. Yeah, talking about that as far as, you, cause right here in Chicago is the same thing. You have to utilize the Chicago school systems buildings, you know, adjacent buildings. And my biggest thing here is I wanna fight to be able to, where they have their own structured buildings outside of uh, CPS, they don't have to share the same property lines. Um, they can have more funding for their programs, more funding for their school, so they can get more resources. And um, and that's not just for, you know just for charters, but that's for that's for the traditional public, that's for the the private parochial schools as well. You know they all need they need the, the cooperation not just with the the parents and the kids, but in the administration, but also from the state. You know as well. So yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at this time, this kind of ties into a question about. Uh, uh, public sector workers like teachers, unions, and and the pension plans yes. that go into this. Uh, I saw on your Ballotpedia page that pensions was something uh, that you're focusing on. So, um, what's kind of your approach to to the the pension issue, and and how do you, um, as a candidate, suggest we could move forward to try to fix it? Because I know that there are tons of unfunded liabilities uh, for pensions coming into the future. The city and the and the state can't can't pay for those. It's very similar to Detroit, which is closer to me. You know. They have the same kind of problem. Um, so, yeah, I just want to ask, um, how do you approach the pension issue and what kind of suggestions do you have on how we could uh, kind of fix this this problem? Well, we had, to, we had to do some spending cuts in certain areas of the state. And then from there on, we will work on as far as we, we're going to have to increase the uh, retirement age. That would help out as well. 
we have to look into other other things like the 401k, better 401k plans to uh, for ongoing, uh, not people that already been promised. Like I, like I said before, people that have been promised their pension, they should get their pensions. It was promised that. But going forward, new hirees, I believe we should look into uh, other programs, like I say, more into 401ks as a uh, option as well. And with the spending cuts alone, you know, with those two changes, as well as the uh, increasement of the retirement age will help flow, help flow with the uh, funding to be able to fund those pensions. It's been, like I said, been promised to workers across the state from you know, school teachers to uh, law enforcement, firefighters, uh, state workers as well. So, yes. Uh, which areas of which areas of spending do you think would be best fit to uh, be cut in order to accommodate that? Well, we have a lot of uh, programs here that are some are working, some are not working. When it comes to our non for profits in the state of Illinois, um, it's a lot of non for profits that are just you know are hurting us as as we see, like with uh, programs with grant programs. I'm not big on I'm not too big on grant programs. If it's working, it's working. We utilize it. But I know they just try to push more grants to uh, small businesses. I'm not big on that because it hurts us in a, in a lot of ways. It hurts us if the business fails or business tanks, that's money lost. And now this is just more debt on the state itself. That's why I push for more small business loans to those small businesses, which will help in a lot of ways. First of all, the biggest problem in business is for small business owners is you're trying to get capital and they don't have credit. But if you, if you offer them a small business loan, you give them a couple of things. You get, you get a start with credit for one thing, and then you get that business started with some funding. And then with the interest off the, off the money that they, they've been loaned to, we can utilize that money to pay down debts in the state of Illinois. That's why I'm big pushing on um, small business loans and working with the SBA to get those loans going. Yes. Yeah. So when you were talking about, uh, you know, charter schools, you mentioned your daughter and uh, anyone who knows you knows you're a big family man. And I think that's a great quality. And uh, anyone who uh, wants to be a leader and should be a leader as, uh, you know, being a family man. So something I've noticed a lot in libertarians and I've talked about on this uh, podcast before is that, you know, libertarians tend to be rebellious. Uh, but part of that rebellion is, you know, rebellion against the family. And I think I see that as a negative uh, thing to be, uh, you know, something you shouldn't be rebellious against. So what's your advice to libertarians who are rebellious, particularly against the family? I'm a big advocate for a two-family household. The problem, like in inner cities like mine is in Chicago, was a lack of a two-parent household is what changed and what brought on the crime, you know, the the drug use, the mental health problems in the community is because of lack of a two-parent household. Um, since the what, 60s, that, you know, more and more families throughout the city, not just Chicago, but throughout the country, we had a lack of the father in the household mostly. And that's mostly what the loss was at, with the father not being there, the discipline, the structure of that father. Um, looking at, I had my father growing up, so him in the household, he kept me, he kept me in line at all times. It wasn't, you know, Going out, you have problems if you if you if you cause problems in the streets. Cause my father was gonna be there, especially my father. He was a lot older. He was retired, so he was there day in and day out. Um, so is this? I'm 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 too strong on it on a two parent household. It it has to be there. That's like I said. That's the reason why we have so much crime in Chicago because the fathers are not there in the household. We have to work more of keeping the fathers there, even if they're not directly in the household, living outside the household. They have to be involved. You have to get them more involved with the uh, with, with the uh, parents, with with the parents, with these kids as well. Um, I try to do it 
a uh, father and son um, breakfast last year at one of my local schools here. It's a school I went to school at. And I seen the lack thereof. You know, a lot of people didn't want me to, they didn't want, the, they didn't want me to have it. It wasn't the administration there. It was outside people didn't want me to have that because they didn't want, a lot of people don't want the growth of what they say they do. You know, they talk about, well, we want this, we want that, but, you know, nobody's working towards it. And I was trying to work towards that by building something just as small as, you know, just a father and son event. And that's the problem. We have to build that more. I, I'm going to try again uh, this coming year of uh, having, the, having the same program again, a father and son breakfast, where the father, you know, he's, he's more interactive. And we just start with small things. You know, next thing you know, we're probably doing father and son baseball games, father and son uh, football outings. Just small things like that. Then we'll move more into um, dedicated things to see how can we help this father even be uh, helping with education, helping with uh, building maybe a better job. Maybe he could come through GTW. You never know. Um, bring him resources that we already have at hand. Yeah, that I com I completely agree with everything you said about the two family household. Um, and, and I love the word you use, discipline. And I think that's a really really important point because you know. I think that a lot of the younger libertarians, rebellious libertarians, people who are just learning about the philosophy of liberty, um, and, and I was the same kind of way when I was younger. I mean, I, I read uh, Ayn Rand when I was 19, and she was very much, you know, individualist and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's really, really important because, you know, we do believe in self-ownership. We do believe that, you know, people have individual rights, and that's really, really important. But there's a flip side to every coin, right? And the flip side right. to, to self-ownership and freedom is responsibility and discipline and that your choices are your own and that you own the consequences of your actions. And so I think that a lot of the times it's not it's not the freedom aspect of libertarianism that people are against. It's the responsibility aspect that people are against. It's the discipline aspect that you yes. have to be responsible for yourself and your own. Um, and, and so I think that's a really, really important point that, that especially young libertarians need to understand is that the family is something that gives you the ability to exercise your freedom in the, in the most responsible and best way possible. And also, I mean, we're a social species. That's just the way it is. I mean, we have friends, families, communities. We need that, even though we are individuals. And we need to have those communities that can uplift individuals and in their individual capacity. Um, but it, it's just the family is a check against the state, right? When you have a strong family, you don't have to rely on government handouts as much. You don't have to w rely on those kind of things. And I think that that um, is is very, very important in, in moving us towards an actually free and prosperous society where we can actually have smaller units of families and communities that can you know handle their own affairs rather than going to the big state government or the big federal government and saying, hey, you know, help us out by throwing money at the problem and not actually addressing the, the cultural and, and emotional and psychological issues that, that are just so much more complex than a government check can solve. Correct. Yeah, so I wanted to get to this, and uh, okay. Dave brought it up as well uh, before, we start, before we started the show, because this okay. is something that everyone throughout the nation has dealt with this year, um, and that is, you know, what I like to call the coronavirus hysteria. So uh, I w we want to ask you, you know, what's your opinion on your uh, state's reaction to COVID? And uh, if you were to elected to your position, how would you work, you know, to, uh, I guess, work away from the lockdowns and better, you know, better the response? Well, how would you do that? Um, information. Uh, when I talk to my voters, talk to my constituents, not just here in Illinois, but just people, 
just around the country. The biggest thing was, especially for my senior senior class and um, the working class, was getting the information on time. That's what the lack was, you know, not getting the last minute, being able to prepare themselves for whatever they needed to do and make their own choices, you know, leading up to that. Um, the problem was we didn't, we didn't, we wasn't informed properly as we should have been. Um, everybody went to, like, like you said, went to hysteria, uh, went into a jump and went and opened up old hospitals. They had a fear of what was going on. But instead of informing the people of, you know, what we can do, what can we do as people, you know, to to help get through this process? Because at the end of the day, we all working and dealing with each other to, on a daily basis. Um, the lockdown, it hurt us. It hurt a lot of people. Um, and not just as far as the job loss, the economic loss, but on a mental basis, you know, people was uh, going through some mental problems, issues, sitting at home. It's like being in prison. You know, if you've, if you've ever been hospitalized for a long time, after a while, it feels like being in prison because you, you're centered to one room, one location, and now, you know, you can't move about and the interaction was less, a lot less. Um, so it's just basically keeping people informed, uh, staying in constant contact with close members of the family um, is basically how you get through it because it's, it's, uh, it can be very rough, um, like especially, like I say, especially on the mental side of things. What was your first question? I, I missed that one. Uh, how, how do you feel about the state's response so far? Um, right now we're actually going back into like a, we're going back into the third stage right now here in Chicago, actually. Uh, uh, Mayor Lightfoot just actually just put us back on. So 10 o'clock shutdown as far as uh, bars that don't serve food. And it's hurting businesses again. It's back to hurting businesses again. Um, part, and I'm, I'm leaving more into that lack, lack thereof of information. Like me personally, like, yeah, I wear masks when I go out. You know, that's my, that's my personal freedom. That's what I choose to do. Um, but when the person sees me wearing a mask and they near me in the store, I have a problem with that because now you are you you in my space. Now you you know you don't respect my space. You don't respect my freedom of this. I choose to do this, but you don't respect me, and that's what I disagree with. There's no there's no respect amongst people anymore, and I think that's a big problem. And that does that messes with my freedoms when you do that. You know, um, I know a lot of libertarians probably wouldn't agree with that, but when you look at the at the end of the day, it is you know you are infringing on my freedom to, you know, wear my mask and be, you know, be free of uh, probably getting the, uh, getting the virus itself. Uh, so that's why, you know, a lot of times I don't go out as, go out as much as far as different locations or stores, try to stay out as much as I can because of people just don't, people just don't respect it at all. But um, how I basically do with these myself is I will push out the information a lot faster. As soon as I get it, when it, when it trickles down from the federal government or from the higher ups in the state, I would get the information out to my districts to let them know what's going on, how to uh, how to go about their day, you know, on what, what you need to be knowing what's going on within the state. Information is key. That's, the, that's knowledge itself, them knowing how to prepare their families, you know, what's coming ahead. Um, I want to ask you a, a question. Um, I don't know whether or not you have much opinion on, um, on this because uh, uh, our recent Supreme Court nominee, uh, J Judge Barrett, uh, is uh, from the Seventh Circuit, which handles federal matters in the state of Illinois. Um, so I'm just wondering, you know, just in, in your time as a public official, you know, have you kept touch with certain uh, rulings that she's made on, on the laws affecting people from Illinois? And what's your kind of opinion on uh, our next possible uh, justice, Justice Barrett? Um, I have not. No, I have not been following that as much. Um, the campaign has kept me away from a, a lot of stuff on the news and yeah. watching a lot of media stuff. So it's been kind of hard. Um, I think I caught a, a glimpse of uh, uh, Amy's uh, with the Senate 
just a, a couple glimpses of it. And I don't know, I, I just, my problem with, you know, with, with this, with the whole process itself is, I think it's too partisan yeah. itself when they elect, when they elect these judges, uh, just like in Illinois, like how do you, how are judges a partisan race, first of all? I thought it was probably based off the, the Illinois state constitution, US constitution, but no, it's based off of your political background as a Democrat or as a, either a Republican. And I don't agree with that at all. It's just like here in Illinois also is that the water recommends water rec commissioners are partisan. Like how, why, why is that a partisan race? You know, shouldn't be, you know, water, the freedoms of water, shouldn't that be to all, not just one selected party itself. And, um, and that's that's pretty much my toll on it. I just don't I don't agree how they how they select it and how it's a, it's, it's more partisan. It's not it's not a nonpartisan uh, position at all. Yeah, yeah. We've we've ta- we've talked a lot about uh, the uh, issue. I think we've had two different episodes where we talked about her and her judicial philosophy. But one of the main things we kept pounding in um, when we were talking about that was the politics of it and the, and the partisan aspects and how the court has become so politicized. And, and, you know, we definitely have our ideals on, on how courts should, should ideally work. And, you know, they definitely shouldn't be partisan. I mean, judges need to be independent for the parties in front of them. So it's definitely, yes. um, it's definitely, uh, disheartening to see all of the, the, the partisanship and, and politics that goes into it. It definitely, takes away um it takes away confidence that we when we actually go to a court they're actually gonna you know look at the issues uh fairly you know and uh yeah it's a it's a sad situation um in in your in your mind you know in your uh, view of of political philosophy and and the constitution and other things um what do you see as the proper relationship between the state and the federal uh government how should they work together um you know what should be the kind of relationship there and how would you try to uh to see that through if you were to be elected um i believe each state should be operational amongst itself it shouldn't be that's it. That's that's it goes back into big government again. You know, you know, waiting depending on what you know what does the big boss of the federal government says. You know, I think each individual state should have their own their own marketing, their own push on far as laws and and everything for their own people. Each each one of their citizens of their state. Um, I don't I don't agree with uh, the federal government being involved with anything that's uh, states' laws. I mean, simple as that. Yeah. Even though I consider myself more of an anarchist, I don't care for politics at all. Uh, I do would would call myself a states' rights libertarian in the sense that yeah, state exists and I'm not a part of it. Why should I have any say in what they do? Why should my existence have any effect on them? So, I I, I agree with that answer uh, fully. Dave, do you have anything you wanted to add? Uh. I just have uh, I just have one or two more questions. Um, so, okay, Strati, sure. if you if you have anything that you want to add, and then uh, we can get to the last few things that I have. Uh, not yet. Go ahead. All right. Well, um, one of the last questions I have is just uh, you mentioned uh, the issue of violent crime, drug use, um, other yes. th- kind of you know dysfunctions that are going on in in the Chicago community, particularly. And I guess just my question is, you know. Uh, how would you kind of uh, appeal to either a um, a law and order Republican or a more, you know, kind of old school law and order Democrat 
Um, how would you kind of appeal to them on how a libertarian candidate would handle an issue like violent crime? Uh, you already mentioned family and, and fixing the family. So maybe, you know, maybe focus on other things that you think might help with that issue. But I think that some people look at libertarianism and just think, oh, it would just be chaos and there wouldn't be, you know, crazy people going on in the streets. And I mean, it's just if you look at what's going on right now, it's like. What we have right now is not really helping with that. I mean, we've got people going crazy in the streets right now. So it's kind of like a, a compared to what question. Um, but I just my question is, you, how would you appeal to somebody who isn't a libertarian, um, who might not know much about the ideas, but, you know, might be, um, you know, not happy with the response that the Republicans or the Democrats have 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 had um, against these kind of violent um, crime mobs and other things like that? Um, what do you think that you could say to one of those people to say that a libertarian party would be able to um, protect people and have law and order while still protecting people's freedoms? Well, one thing that has hurt my community since the beginning is uh, we have to end the war on drugs. We have to start there. The war on drugs calls more crimes in our communities. It calls more of the violent crimes that brings to our communities. Because when you're a drug dealer on the streets here, that's a violent. That's a violent job. You have to be protected yourself. You you know you're not in a fist fight with anyone. These guys are actually they actually are shooting each other over territory because of drugs. Legalization of those of those drugs that they have in the streets there will, will bring the crime will bring the crime down. I'm not saying it's going to end altogether, but it will decrease very 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 much because that's what's been affecting my community. The war the, that war itself that war like I said has brought so much violence to the streets of Chicago. LA, uh, Atlanta, Memphis, the different inner cities like that were, you know, with minority communities. And that'd be, that'd be one of the, one of the stars there as well. The next step would be into uh, better training for our officers. We need well, better well-trained officers in our communities. The lack thereof is what's causing the problems with uh, innocent people being shot in the, here in, in the U.S. I believe that we need to start, one thing I talked about an officer a couple months back was, we need to start doing ride-alongs. And while they're in the academy, that's one thing that they should start doing. And it'd be a culture shock for a lot of officers because they don't they don't deal with the situations of my community. A lot of them don't even come from my community majority. A lot of those officers, they come from either the north side of Chicago and then they get dropped off in Inglewood, they get dropped mm -hmm. off in Austin, mm -hmm. get dropped off in North Londale. And that's something totally different from what they're used to in their day to day. And like I said, they're only people. So they want to go back home as well. But we, and we gotta have we gotta have well better trained officers. Another thing is communication, communication and trust between the community and law enforcement is not there as well. And I believe that's another thing we can we can interact and bring about. Um, another program that I'm involved with is uh, the MPI, the New Police Initiative here in Chicago, and where there is I'm an ambassador. I'm basically the middleman between law enforcement and community. And what we do is we build that communication between the community leaders as well as law enforcement to have more of an interaction off the clock hours so they are more developed knowing what's going on in the community and have a better trust to where the community i let them know when stuff things are happening in our community we can who who we can call and those officers actually they give us their cell phone numbers as well and a lot of things a lot of crime has actually changed because of that program being in place and i think we need to push that more uh not just here in chicago but across the country we need to have more programs like that and as always communication and trust is the key things uh, ending the war on drugs is, is another big thing that I'm, I'm a push on as well. Um, it, it'll change the, the dynamics of how crime how crime is going on in Chicago and across the state itself. Yes. Yeah. And I hope that answers your question. Absolutely. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Um, 
this is a question that just came into my head. I, I didn't plan it beforehand, but I, it's an interesting issue. It's uh, it's kind of political, but also uh, kind of cultural too. Um, with you uh, running for state rep in such a big state, because Illinois is a is a very big state and it's a very diverse state. You know, you have Chicago in the Northeast, um, but then you also have you know lots of farmlands and other kind of more rural communities down south and to the west. Um, and so, my question yeah. for you is just kind of um, as a state rep. Um, you know, you're, you're going to have to work with uh, representatives from other parts of the state, um, people from communities that will be very different from the communities that that um, will that you will be representing. Um, so uh, my question is, is that um, culturally, because I'm not from Illinois, so I don't know too much about this, but is there a kind of uh, maybe not necessarily hostility, but like, is there kind of some tension um, between the more urban Chicago uh, kind of people and the people from the more southern and, and western parts of the states who are more rural? And if so, um, how would you try to politically address that in working with other representatives to try to to, to try to get things done um, to benefit um, not only your representatives, which is your first priority, but also, you know, in order to benefit your representatives by, you know, making deals with representatives from other parts of the state that benefit their representatives as well? How do you what's your kind of plan on how to uh, to handle that if you were elected? Well, what I've already got started doing was uh, actually reaching out and uh, interacting with LaShawn Ford. He's a, he's a state rep in the 8th District here in Chicago. Another state rep was Chris Welch out in Westchester. Reaching out to those guys, building the communication there and the trust there already. Also, I've already been in interaction with uh, Aaron Bailey down, down south in the 50, 55th. Also been in interaction with uh, Alice Skillicorn up in the north as well. And they are in different different areas. And the biggest thing is, you know, those by me building the relationships already, it's just bonding more and more relationships. Brad Hallbrook actually uh, met with him last year. He came to our lodge meeting here in Chicago on the north side, and he's down south as well. And you know, constantly relationship building. That's 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 my whole thing. It was just constant communication and building those relationships and trust um, that we can work together, not to just build my community, my representatives' communities up, but as a state whole. Because any laws or any any legislation that we put in place, it doesn't just affect my representatives, my people. It, it, it basically is for the whole state of Illinois. So that's why I've been already in communication. I've already started that. Um, trying to reach out to more. It's 118 reps in Illinois, including my, will, will be including myself 108 of the 118th as well. So a lot of relationships I have to build, um, but I've already been getting started with the ones that's closest to me right now. And actually a, a couple, actually two or three outside of the um, I-80 and mm -hmm. uh, Cook mm -hmm. County area. So yeah, I've already got started on that. And just basically just strengthen those relationships and building and bringing other reps from my area into those meetings. I think a lot of times what happens is that everybody has their own thing going on. It's so it's so partisan in Springfield. It's the it's the, it's the, the left versus the right. By me being a libertarian coming down into the to the state house, I'm the one in the middle. I'm the one that's going to bring forge those two relationships that's been divided for so long to bring those together, so we can build some real legislation that's going to actually help. And protect our people of the state of Illinois. Fantastic, yeah, I think that's really, really great. Um, and I, I, the last thing you said there, I think, is fantastic, and it ties into something that you said before. I mean, as a libertarian coming in, when things are so partisan and so angry, right, and so and so divided, you know, ha finally having a third party come in and somebody who shares a little bit from both sides, it would be, maybe be able to bridge that gap and make things, you know, uh, make things less hostile. 
and uh, and kind of help not only politics, but maybe even, you know, like the culture wars that get ingrained with politics, finally being able to see people from the different sides come together. And, you know, even if we, they don't get everything they want, you know, at least we can say, hey, you know, we don't have to, you know, kill each other or be at each other's throat. Yes. Right. It's not it's not win lose. Right. We, we need to try to start building win win. And, you know, part of that is just uh, supporting markets, I think. You know, I think the more we support markets, we can support win-win relationships. So I think I agree with uh, everything you said there. Uh, the last question that I have, um, I don't know if this uh, is something which you would have direct um, impact on because I know that zoning rules and regulations and stuff are usually done at the local level rather than the state. Yes. Um, but I also I, I just wanted to ask you um, how what do you know about how zoning works in the city of Chicago and and what kind of problems do you think the city ha um, has um, from some of the zoning rules that it has? I, I'm like I said, this might not be something you've looked too much into because it might not be something that would be on your um, that would be on your uh, plate being a state rep, but I was just curious if you had uh, any thoughts on that and if you might be able to educate our listeners on how that works in your city. Sure. Uh, zoning is actually handled by the uh, city council. So they have actually have a committee that one of the aldermen here, one of the 50 aldermen in Chicago chairs. Um, I remember past years, one our alderman from the 29th Ward, uh, Isaac I. Carruthers, he was the, the zoning chair here in Chicago. Um, a lot of problems come with that position because it's a, it's a power play position when it comes to new business structures coming into Chicago. Um, you have to go through that, that particular alderman and that particular committee. And it's, it's a lot of corruption involved. I mean, money, a lot of money is thrown around to, to get what you want. Uh, the bigger bucks that you have, the more that you can receive in the, in the city of Chicago. Um, you know, that's why we have people like Ed Burke on a, under investigation, you know, actually indicted. So, yeah, that's pretty much as far as I want to go with it. But yeah, it's, it's under the city council, city council um, alderman. And I think right now, I think it's a facade. It's the chair. I'm not sure. You know, I wanted to thank you for coming on today, Mr. Flynn. But before we let you go, I wanted you to take a chance, or I wanted you to have a chance to address the audience and, you know, just say whatever you want to say. Sure. Well, like I said, you know that, you know, I'm from Chicago. My biggest deal is just trying to bring a safer community for our kids to live in. Um, I'm trying to push for, like I say, better education, better jobs, more businesses um, surrounded by smaller economic economies across the state. And the thing is I see now is in the uh, minority communities like mine, black communities, in the uh, Latino communities, is, is the lack thereof as far as the small economies that are not thriving. Um, you know, you go, you go farther west and meet the suburbs and they're booming. The salary difference is just astronomical in comparison to the Austin community, in comparison to Eagleville, the South Shore, Urban Gresham. And that's what I want to change. You know, you got towns like Centerville, Illinois, which is a you know a very minority community, but it's a lack thereof in that small economy that's thriving. And a lot of it starts with you know better education for those children there, better education for, for the parents, for people um, on those agendas there, as well as you know this constant growing economies. And me, that's what I look to bring, not to just Chicago in my district, but to across the state of Illinois is a booming economy um, with less debt. You know. And we have to look forward to our kids look forward to private areas. We don't lose any more people here in the state of Illinois. And that's my biggest growth, you know. Um, also, you know, you can follow me. That's the next time we get to you can follow me on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and both Josh Flynn. 
Uh, my website is boatjoshflynn.com, B-O-T-E-J-O-S-H-F-L-Y-N-N.com. Sir, thank you for guys for having me. I appreciate the time to come to your platform and speak about my campaign and the issues that's uh, bearing here in the state of Illinois. Thank you. Of course. Thank you. And we'll make sure to leave a link to that in the description. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Mr. Flint, for coming on. Best of luck with your campaign. I'm sure you've been working very, very hard at it. And uh, it would be really, really great to finally see some libertarians uh, come into uh, come into office and actually try to see um, what kind of change and how we might be able to move forward with the country if we were able to shake things up like that. I think that it's uh, very promising. It's a very, it's a very, uh, it's a very hard road to tow. It's a very uh, high hill to climb, um, but it's great that there are people out there like you who are willing to uh, take those chances and invest the time. And, you know, at least, you know, even if uh, worst comes to worst, at least uh, we're able to get these ideas out and educate people and get them thinking that, you know, there is another way that we might be able to go. And so I think that you're really doing a, a great service. And uh, I want to thank you so much for all of that and for taking the time. Oh, thank you so much. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. This has been the Law of Liberty podcast, and we'll see you next time.